Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Uh, If you have a Bible, whether it's one on your phone or not, you can pull your phones out, go to that Bible app that you might use on a regular basis. If you don't have one, we can easily suggest one because there are some great Bible apps out there. Um, But we are going to be in the book of Acts. So it's in the New Testament. It's the fifth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you get to Acts. And the beautiful thing about Acts, Acts is a perfect book to read at this season of the year because we have heard about the good news of Jesus coming out of the grave at Easter time, and Acts tells the stories about what happened after. Where did all the disciples go to? We've got those early stories. We talked about a few of them last week where sometimes they're a little nervous. They don't know where they're heading. They don't exactly know what they're supposed to do. But after they get that courage back, the confidence to know that, oh, wait, Jesus actually did raise from the grave. We need to tell the world about this. And so the world begins to reverberate, reverberate excuse me, with the news that Jesus is alive. And this is exactly where we're at in this story. So if you have your, your scriptures with you, if you have your Bible open to Acts chapter 9, this is the story that we read together. It might have, been, it might have some familiar pieces to it because you uh, have heard some of this before, I would imagine. Um, but even for those of you who are hitting it for the first time, it's one of those most powerful passages of scripture that we get. But before I get there, I want to ask a quick question. Are you a night, day, a night or day person? I have a, a slide up there that you can see. Which, which do you prefer? For all the people who would love to have things happen in the nighttime, would you raise your hand? We're just going to divide the house today, right? Okay. And so I'm assuming the rest of you are day people, right? You love the morning. You love to see the sun shine. You are ready to get it going. All right. So this story has to do with some sunlight, which is why I asked that question, just to kind of involve you a little bit, because there's a blind moment that takes place when the sun shows up. So here we go in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, okay, here's a quick thought on that one word right there. When you see a word like that, you just cannot read that and think, oh, that's easy. Meanwhile, what is the meanwhile there for, right? Meanwhile, I guess the assumption is that we have been reading Acts chapter 8 prior to this. But the meanwhile that you'll find, if you have a Bible like this, you can flip the page, you're like, well, what actually did just happen? Well, it was the very first Gentile convert story. So the first person outside the Jewish religion that had heard the news about Jesus, that's the convert story that we have. So that's the meanwhile that we get to when we get to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Sounds like a fun guy to be around. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, which doesn't make sense, the question, right? Like, feel like you just named the person that you're questioning. Who are you, Lord? Like, is it, did his voice inflection go up in pitch? Was he, or was he just so scared that the Lord was the word that he always used when he was scared? And some people do that. Some people have a word that they use when they're scared. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus 
whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, some people on a day like today, they will stop the reading right there because there's enough to unpack in the story of Saul's conversion. Now, if you want to kind of fast forward things and understand exactly what happens to Saul, he eventually becomes a guy named Paul, and he becomes one of the most prolific writers that we have in Scripture. So many of the books and the letters that we have from the New Testament are written by that guy who was one day out there trying to you know, he was still speaking murderous threats against the Christians, the people of the way. But this is, becomes his, like, conversion experience. This is his moment. Some people, there used to be these phrases out there, have you had your Damascus Road experience yet? Have you had that moment where you've been blinded so much that God has called you to go do something and to go somewhere? And are you listening and paying attention? So the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Try to put yourself into the story. Try to imagine what what it is that you would do if you woke up one day blind. It no doubt would be scary. There in Damascus, verse 10 tells us, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him to restore his sight. Verse 13 tells us, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And that is where our story ends today. It's one of those powerful stories that happens in the Bible that almost sounds too too amazing to be real. But I don't know if you're guilty of something like I am, is when I read scripture stories and I try to place myself in the story, I want to be 
the protagonist. I don't often want to be the antagonist. I want to be the winner. I want to be, you know, with the, the people of Israel. I don't want to be with the Philistines, right? Like, that's not how the story goes. I want to be with the people who are doing good things. But when you come to a story like this, you can't help but wonder, where in the story am I? And there's not a lot of players or characters to think about. You have an option. I want to, do I want to be Paul, who's going to be so blinded, literally blinded, fallen off his horse, can't really get up and see anything, who's used to being the man in charge and has to be almost crippled to, to be blinded and to be uh, just in the, in the midst of fasting for three days as he's trying to figure out what's happening? Or do I place myself in Ananias' shoes? Am I the Ananias? And the funny thing is, is I probably, I feel at times, um, I'm not sure I would have done exactly what Ananias did. I might have heard what God was telling me to go do. But could you imagine being Ananias? Put yourself in his shoes. And he's one of the disciples that's getting the word out that Jesus of Nazareth, who went to the cross, is actually alive. But you can't go public with that because there are people out there, like Saul, who are out to get you because the Roman Empire, in and amongst all of the oppression, even from the Jewish people at the time, was you can't talk about Jesus the way that we think they could. They had to keep it quiet. So Ananias is like, I've heard about that guy. Word on the street is, he's coming here to harm people. He's going to round people up. He's going to send them to jail. I don't know if I can do that, Lord. And God says, no, no, no. He is already having visions about a man named Ananias. And you're like, all right, there can't be that many Ananiases out there. That's probably something in his mind. What should I do in this place where God has called me to go do something, where I don't exactly know what I'm supposed to do because I don't like what God has asked me to go do? But this happens in Scripture all the time. If you remember some of those other amazing stories, we get stories like Jonah. Jonah, we think, is all all about Jonah and a whale. It's actually about Jonah and his obedience. Would he trust God enough to actually go to where he wants him to go, or do we say, no, 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 I'm going anywhere but that place that you called me to? And we get an Ananias is like, I can't go see Saul because he is going to harm me. And the Lord says, no, no, go. I've got plans for Saul that you don't even know about. Would you be obedient to go see this man that even people are fearful of? And then I put myself in Ananias' shoes one more time, and I'm in the room where he's supposed to lay hands on Saul. Do you think he did that warmly? Did he garner the courage that day? He's like, I guess I'm going in this room. I guess I'm going to lay hands on this guy. I'm going to do it because God asked me. That's the only reason I'm doing this. And he lays hands on Saul when he prays. He, as we read the story, it's something like scales fall from his eyes. And what strikes me is there are two people in this story that had visions. And both of them had different ways of responding. Because Saul, who's blinded, has no concept of what's about to happen. But Ananias, who has the vision as well, is filled with wonder, God, what are you doing? Why would you call me to go see this guy? As I've been thinking about that a lot, my, what comes to mind for me this week when I read that story is do I have courage to trust God if he were to call me to talk to people that I don't like? Would I have courage to go talk to people that God is calling me to go talk to even if I don't agree with them. 
And we ask ourselves the question, why in the world would Ananias trust God in that? Well, because he's heard stories that God is up to really amazing things, especially the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. But there's also the moments that you know got told all throughout the kingdom. And we're talking about the Roman Empire at that time, not the kingdom of God. But in the Roman Empire, there was also the story of that Jesus allowed all kinds of people to sit down and eat with him, even people that he didn't agree with. And people that he probably would not have, um, if he had done his homework, basically, if he had done his homework, he probably shouldn't have let some people at the table. We think about people like Judas. And by the way, Judas gets mentioned in this story, it's a different Judas. Judas must have been a very popular name of the day, which is a bummer of a name for many people. We're like, I don't know, do you want to be named uh, Judas? Like, at, least, at least he didn't have the name Ananias, because then he had to go see Paul or Saul at that time. But you think about it, like what, what is it that God is calling me at times to go do that I may not, get a, uh, may not feel good about because I don't want to go do exactly what he has said? Have you ever been prodded like that before? Have you ever been nudged by the Holy Spirit or by how God is calling something out of you and telling you to go do something? Actually, let's start with a better question. Are there people in your life that you don't like? That's probably an easier place to start. Are there people in your life that you've, you've put them on a list and you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to deal with them because they've either harmed me in the past or they have said things to me or they've had, done actions to me that, and I'm not saying you have to step in and go back into places of pain. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we put people on our lists and we're like, I don't want to do anything with them because of what they think about, what they stand for, and how they come across in public spaces, whether it's online, on Facebook, in Instagram, TikTok videos, what have you. I don't agree with that person, and I want nothing to do with them. And these are cutting questions, but they're cutting questions for me. My guess is that you have those people. You have those people that you're like, I'm, I'm, I've sidelined them. I don't want to deal with them. I don't I don't want to spend my time there. But then there are moments that God says, would you go there if I sent you? Would you go if I sent you there? And I'm, again, I'm not asking uh, in a guilt trip kind of fashion. But I guess if I'm lumping myself in with all of you, because misery loves company, so let's, let's just all feel bad right now. Um, do we trust God when he says, I'm going to send you to places and you may not understand the effect of it for a long time? That's having the, the long-range view of the future. That is exactly where Ananias is. Would he trust what God is calling him to go do, even if he didn't want to do it? But he pushes in, and he leans in, and he actually goes to the house, lays hands, and we have the miraculous story. This is 20 verses, and it's so quick. If you read the rest of it, you hear what, what Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, what he does. And the impact that he has on the early church, the ways that he goes on all of his missionary journeys, we don't even know about Jesus. I, I can probably very confidently say this if there's no Paul because of the effects that he had. But it all came down to Ananias' trust that what God was up to was exactly what God wanted him to do. I was having coffee with someone on Thursday, and uh, we were having this conversation about 
those moments where you sense that God's calling you to go do something, and you are filled with power in the moment, but you wonder, is this the right thing to do? Is this what I should go do? So if you've got your list of people that you have sidelined, and you've got the list of people that you don't like, and you have those in mind, but my next question, if I go back a bit, is when's the last time that you've heard from the Lord to go do something, and you sat on the precipice of the decision wondering, should I step into that or not? And that's the hard thing. That's the stuff of the trust factor that God is constantly looking for. That would I step into his kingdom and trust him with where he's leading me? Because we like everything perfect. We like everything wrapped up in a bow. We love if God could just do everything that we pray for according to our sensibilities and our needs and our desires and our wishes. But what happens when he messes things up? What happens when he calls us into places that we're not prepared for? And we don't think we're prepared for because we have our, our preconceived prejudices and we've labeled something or someone or something a certain way and now God's saying, would you go there? And you're like, what are you talking about, Brenton? And I know it's very esoterical and I'm all over the place in my, my thought pattern right here, but I feel like we're having coffee right now and we're having this conversation. And the challenge for every single one of us is not to just say, yes, I believe in Jesus, so I'm good for the end of the story. It's actually the Easter reality of, yes, I believe in Jesus, and yes, I want to be called into things that he's calling me into. And I want to know that. And I want to be able to believe that even if he calls me into places that I don't think I'm prepared for, that's exactly where he wants me. So what is it for you? Have you thought about that lately? If you come to church and you want everything to feel good, and, and, and our hope is that we've created an atmosphere and a space here at Refuge that you can hear from the Lord, that you can see one another, and we worship together. But at the same time, I want to ask questions that challenge us into the kingdom, the real kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that's on the move. It's been on the move even prior to the cross, but the cross has done everything to help fast forward what God's up to. Because this cross reality of Easter season, if we're in the third Sunday of Easter, then it's all about understanding that God has actually called me into this world, that wherever I go, I bring him with me. I don't just bring God out on Sundays when I need him, or I ask for help on a test. College students who are having finals this week, they will pray differently, right? They will pray, Lord, would you bring to mind everything that I have studied and even the things that I haven't, right? That's what they, they pray for, because I've, I've been there. You know this, You've, each of us know this. We know these moments when we desperately want God to do everything according to our terms. And this question is, would I have the eyes to see God when he's calling me into things that I don't feel prepared for, that I may not even like, but I go because I trust him? And I don't, I don't have a story. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I've got friends who are preaching today, and they're sharing this story, and they're leaving their church. And it, 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 a friend of mine was, was resigning from a church in Pasadena, um, and there's all kinds of stuff to that, but he's using this passage to say, it is so hard to trust God into places that I don't know where I'm going. And I'm not going anywhere. Like, I am here, 
but I also don't want to just fall into complacency. I don't want to just check in and check out or clock in and clock out. That's probably the right term. I don't want to just go on autopilot for Jesus. I want to have the faith of Ananias that I would actually go follow God wherever he is, but I also want to have the faith of a person like Paul who, when he's hit with the Lord Jesus that day, everything changes. So where is God calling you? Where has he been sensing or placing his senses in your mind or in your heart or your soul and saying, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that if you were to say that to that person or if you were to go and be there, you could bring good news? That's what I want to pray all of us into this week, that as we lean into this next seven days, we have eyes to see where God's calling us. And may we be available for the, the, those callings. So I want to I pray, and I actually want to have the worship team come back because I feel like sometimes we can't, listen to what God's saying unless we're in a place of worship. So I'm gonna give a space here even at the end of the service that you would be challenged into where God is taking you and challenged into what he's saying to you. So would you pray with me even as they get on stage and prepare? Heavenly Father, this passage in Acts is challenging to us. It is a nice story. It's a fun story. It's an otherworldly story. But it hits us across the head because it reminds us of times that we have not listened to your voice and not done what you have said. And we have not leaned into where you're taking us and calling us. But when we think about this world, we also have a long list of things that we would love to see fixed. As if God... Are you really alive and well? Are you really on the throne? Are you doing the things that we want to see happen? And you would say to us, yes, I'm alive. Yes, the grave is empty. Yes, my son has conquered the grave, but I'm also calling all of my people into the kingdom. And that's the challenge we have today, God. So I pray for those who have heard your voice in the past and have ignored it which is me at times as well. And I also pray for those here who are desperately wanting to hear your call, who feel like they're in a season of life where it's been a while since you have nudged them. And so God, I pray for a miraculous opening of our ears into our soul and mind that we would hear you today. And the things that are coming to mind for so many of us right now, the places that of, of pain and hurt and wonderment of, I don't know if I could do anything in that situation. I pray, God, that we would gain confidence to know that where we step, we step with you. That you go with us wherever we go. We are never alone. So may our eyes be opened, may our ears be opened to where exactly you're calling us this week. We don't even want the pressure of our whole life, but maybe just give us an eyesight for this week. May we see how you can use us to see your kingdom come and your will be done here this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. 
If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.